You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Are you looking for a new set of scrims or a backdrop for your live show? What about merch flags to have at your merch table or online store? Artistflags.com has the lowest pricing and the best quality around. Their prices start at $119 and they can work with you to keep your budget in mind while helping you choose the best material and sizes for your band. Use the coupon code MENTALFLAG to get $30 off your next order. I've personally used them to get flags for Darkest Hour, scrims for Lorna Shore, and many other artists in recent years. So thank you to artistflags.com. So head on over and use the coupon code MENTALFLAG for $30 off your next order. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to episode nine of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. Yes, the struggle is real, my friends, but let us help you uncover some of the mystery that is this challenging business of rock and roll. I'm your host, mentor, motivator, and meticulous musical mercenary, Mr. Blasco. As always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, a record label owner, fellow artist manager, and typhoon connoisseur, Mr. Mike Mowry. It's almost like you knew that I ordered up some drunken noodles with tofu for dinner last night. It's like, it's like you just, your finger's so on the pulse, my friend. I don't know how you figure that out each and every week, but nice work. How's everybody doing out there in podcast land? Thanks again for tuning in. Yeah, not much else to say on this end other than let's get mental. Yeah. In the uh, last episode, we dropped some uh, quick tips to help propel your career. However, there is one topic that is paramount to your future that we have yet to dig deep into, and that is when, why, and how to hire a music business attorney. We promise you this will not be a boring conversation about legal issues that you will not understand and or not think relevant to you at this stage of your career. On the contrary, we want to dispel some legal myths and focus on some very practical advice. We even call our attorney friend to get his input as well. In today's episode, we discuss an email written to me from Mark Keston Esquire from the law office of Ian Friedman, both of whom are music biz attorneys and, you know, cool dudes. This will be a good one, and it won't be boring. So let's get mental. So, Mike, what is shaking? 
my friend. You know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. We roll into the big, the great month of March, and things really do start to get busy here. Got South by Southwest coming up mid-month, and potentially eyeing a trip out to your neck of the woods towards the end of the month. What about you, my friend? Nice. For those people listening that don't know, can you give them a uh, a real quick primer on what South by Southwest is? So South by Southwest is pretty much the music festival um, of music. Actually, festival. It's like a music conference and festival, and actually it's expanded much greater than that. It has a film component and an interactive component. But as far as the music business is concerned, it's been, I don't even know, it's gone on 20-plus years is what I would imagine. And back before... The tools of the internet made it so people like A&R guys and managers and agents were able to find other ways to see bands and really meet with bands. It was the place where artists would go and showcase um, quite oftentimes. There are still um, showcases, and it is a good way if you've got an artist that's on the come up or even established that you you know, want to make an impact and get a lot of industry people to see uh, it's a great place to do it, but it doesn't seem to be a place to go necessarily just to to get bands signed. It's sort of the music industry spring break, if you will. Everybody's down there for the same reason, which is to network, get their business moving even further. I like it a lot because it gives me the opportunity to meet with people that I don't get to see all the time. Uh, not only people based in the U.S., but also a lot of Europeans typically come over. A lot of Australians typically come over. And it's a great place just to go down, do some networking, have some fun, drink some beer, and uh, in my case, eat some vegetarian tacos. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've been once or twice, and uh, it was pretty fun. I saw Metallica play at uh, Stubbs, you know, so that was uh, that was pretty gnarly. And uh, but yeah, it's a good time. It's it's like you said, it's a good networking uh, environment. But yeah, man, so have fun out there. So we were recently uh, contacted by a music biz colleague, attorney Mark Keston. He voiced some concerns regarding issues that he encounters with a lot of young bands feeling misinformed about when and why and how to hire an attorney. We even call our good friend, Los Angeles-based music attorney, Eric German, to weigh in on today's topic. Uh, as usual, we will link any relevant articles and websites in the show notes for all those interested in checking them out. This was the basis of Mark's email to us. I check out a good number of music industry podcasts and find that, for the most part, no one speaks about the role an attorney can play in the very early stages of an artist's career. Some bands have made critical mistakes in signing agreements early on without seeking counsel, and these agreements end up really hurting their chances for success. I also speak to a number of young managers that are unaware of the role attorneys can play in a young artist development. So, Mike, I'll start off with you. Uh, any rotten stories of uh, artists signing draft one of their record deals? Well, when I first started managing, my first artist was Darkest Hour, and they were signed to a lengthy deal with Victory Records. And I don't know if the deal itself, in hindsight, was a terrible deal. The stories of artists ending up suing the label have gone on for the better part of the last decade, but I definitely, 
even as recently as one of my artists who I deal with currently, they signed a deal with a with a German label for their worldwide rights very early on. And it's not to say that it's been awful necessarily, but they definitely could have and should have sought some counsel and had somebody with some experience that would have had the foresight. It's an, it's an American band. It's a North American-based band to not have their entire worldwide rights tied up so early in their career with a small label based in Germany. So I really like this topic. I think it's great. I would say that Mark brings up a very good point. When I was first starting out, I don't know if I fully understood the role that an attorney can play and should play in an artist's career. And over you know the past decade plus, have really come to value my relationships with not only the attorneys that I consult with my side of the business, but also all of the attorneys that represent the artists that I work with. Look, in 1985, I was in a band called Cryptic Slaughter, and we mailed the demo tape to Metal Blade Records, and they mailed back a contract, a record contract, of which we signed with no legal representation put it back in the envelope and send it back to him. <laughs> right. <laughs> and now, even though that situation worked out, right, we made three records for metal blade and, and no one feels like they were, you know, fucked over in any way. Brian Slagle is a, a great dude and, and still a good friend. And, and, uh, and so that situation worked out. However, I know plenty of horror stories of bands signing draft one, sight unseen, and that not working out. Mostly in that it quickly becomes a situation that the band wants to get out of, and they're and they're locked in, man, and and just the relationship didn't work out, and they're just tied into it, and and a lot of times bands just break up over stuff like that, you know. So that that's kind of a. Uh, uh, that's kind of the thing that I've seen happen a lot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I, I was in Chicago last week speaking at a college, and a, and a friend who is an attorney who I've done a lot of work with is one of the instructors and lecturers over there, and so he brought me in to you know talk about my story and sort of my path as to where I've ended up, and it was a really enjoyable time. But in his and my commiseration while we were there, you know, he was talking about how he's seen there's still a few labels that notoriously end up finding artists and signing them to relatively terrible deals. And he's like, you know, he was asking me, how does this continue to happen? And I just said, look, as much as the information is out there to guys like you and I, it's evident the people that continue to do this. But if you're young and you're new and you're excited and you're hungry and you send your demo tape, or in this case, you email a link or you don't even email it, you got something going on on YouTube and somebody contacts you, you do, you get caught up in this excitement and you should be excited. But I've watched plenty of bands, even those that have a little bit more experience, they get worried that oh, well, if we hire an attorney or if we go back and ask for revisions, we're going to lose the deal. You know, the, the person on the other end that sent the deal is going to be all freaked out and for some reason run away. And you and I do that all day, every day. We go back and forth with people in the business. What I always say to them is, if you're going to ask very legitimate questions with your attorney and somebody's going to yank the deal, it wasn't the right place to be in the first place. 
you know. Agreed, man. Very good point. Very good point. So here we are. Let's let's dispel a few myths um, that that uh, Mark brings up as as concerns. Number one, you don't get a good attorney until much later in your career. Yeah, I mean, this can be interpreted in in so many different ways, and I think that what he's trying to say is that you should wait until later in your career to to hire a good attorney. And I will say that that's just not the case. I mean, to me, as somebody who actively goes and builds a team, in fact, people have asked me, who should you hire first? And I always laugh and say, well, I'm a manager, so I'm going to tell you you should hire your manager first. But I do think that the first two people that should be hired are an attorney and a manager. And the reason that I always lead with the manager is because as a manager, I feel like I've got a lot of good advice as to which attorneys to pick. But if I was an attorney in this case, I would say maybe you hire the attorney first because they might have a lot of experience with who you should go with managerially. And so it really just depends on sort of who you hit it off with first. And again, if you've got an agent or somebody that isn't really coming with a binding contract early on to help you, that's fine. But anytime that paperwork starts to appear, that's when you need to ensure that you've got an attorney that can walk you through the necessary steps to make sure that you aren't signing away some sort of rights that you're going to regret later on down the road. Yeah, once again, I don't suggest anyone sign anything without having a music attorney look at it first. Also, too, contracts aside, Eric will expand on this a little bit, but there's things early on in your career like you know getting your trademark situated, maybe getting a band uh, agreement in place. Those are all things that a lawyer can and should do, and and it's never really too early to to start to dig into that stuff. Anyway, number well, number two, r- real quick, you make a great point when you say yeah. a music based attorney, and that's you and I probably have both had countless calls with young artists that say, well, you know, Uncle Joey's a real estate attorney, or you know, Uncle Jeff does medical malpractice or whoever it is, uncle or aunt that's in the family that's willing to look over something. And those people, you know, listen, if they're trusted sources within your life, you should definitely feel comfortable talking to them about the general idea of things. But a music-based attorney needs to be involved with music-based deals. And that's because there's terms within our industry. I laugh. One guy in a band, this is a while ago, had his uncle review the deal and came back and said, I think the royalty rate on this particular deal was, you know, 18% or something. And the guy said, well, why on earth aren't you getting 70%? And I don't know. I don't remember what industry he was in, but it made sense for his industry. But in our industry, eighteen <laughs> yeah. percent was actually very standard. And so, by having that person review it that doesn't speak the language and the numbers that we speak with regularity is actually putting you at a little bit of a disadvantage. So, it's a key point that you make there: finding a music-based attorney. No doubt. Uh, number two. You cannot afford a good music lawyer. Well, you know, this is a recurring theme that will come up as we continue to do the podcast. You definitely get what you pay for. That happens throughout the business. And you should not expect for an attorney to necessarily work for free. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, you definitely shouldn't expect an attorney to work for free. Just like other facets of your business, you need to invest in what you are doing. Many attorneys will help you with things early on. They'll give you a discount on their hourly rate or you can, you know, and I don't want to throw any attorneys under the bus and make, you know, have them think that I'm trying to discount their services. But depending on what's going on with your act and what relationship you want to have with the attorney, you can sometimes cut all in deal, not all in deals, but flat fee deals where they'll say, okay, I'm going to keep track of my time, but I'm not going to let it go over a certain amount of money. Listen, attorneys spend a long time going to school, getting a great education, and they've got bills to pay just like the rest of us. They are not cheap necessarily. Uh, you know, many of them have an hourly rate somewhere between 250 probably on the low end and, you know, four to 500 yeah. on the high end. But again, many of the attorneys that you and I know, including, you know, Mark and Ian and, and Eric, who I haven't worked with any of them recently, they know what is going on in the business. And they are passionate about helping young artists. They don't want to just come in and start to jack the hourly rates up and hand you a bill that says, oh yeah, this is going to cost you $5,000. That's not their intention. So, so much of this, and this is why you and I are doing this podcast, is because it's a conversation that, that can and should happen, and you should feel comfortable discussing what the rates are, how they charge, will it max out at some point. Um, you know, of course, there's a whole flip side of you can bring an attorney on for a percentage and they won't be charging you up front on an hourly basis, but they will be taking a percentage of your income, you know, throughout your career on multiple things. And that can be advantageous to you as well, depending on how you, you know, how much legal counsel you think you'll need, as well as how much, yeah, I mean, as, how active you have, how many deals you've got in play, you name it. What do you think on that? My only experiences or good experiences are with people that are on the team, right? And so they'll be flexible and work with you always. You want to find someone that's going to work with you. Let's just say someone throws a record deal in your face. Uh, one tip that typically uh, works is getting the attorney to include their fees in the deal so that you're not going out of pocket the label is paying their fees and then you have to recoup it through sales. So, you know, maybe that's one tip to where you can skirt around a, you know, a potentially, you know, $1,500 to $2,500 bill. Right. And that is commonplace. I, you know, there are certain labels that don't practice that, but many of them will, especially depending on the, you know, the caliber of the deal and, and how serious of a label they may be. You know, the other thing is if you are presented with a recorded contract or a managerial contract, the person giving you that contract should be able to guide you and say, here's a few choices of attorneys that we think might be able to help you. If they only give one to you, I would be a little bit weary. You know, I would, of course, ask around. It doesn't mean that that person is necessarily in their back pocket, which I've watched. You know, I had one band that I worked with that thought that everybody that you recommended was somehow a conflict of interest and you were getting some sort of kickback and it would drive you crazy. You're like, no, I'm just a good, honest person trying to recommend yeah. good, honest people to deal with. And again, there there are creeps. There's suckers in this business. There's assholes out there on all sides of it. And 
with anything, you can and should ask around for a recommendation. Even ask the attorney themselves, hey, do you have two or three clients that I could ask what their experience has been like with you? Again, we're looking at brand newbies out there. We're looking at younger people. I remember when I was in my teens and 20s, you know, the idea of attorneys were like kind of scary to me. And now it's I realize what an asset and an ally they, they can and should be to any part of any business, let alone what we're doing here in the music business. The third concern that uh, Mark brings up that he sees a lot is that bands seem to think that uh, their manager is the one that is going to be uh, reviewing and negotiating their contracts for them instead of an attorney. Yeah, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this in regards to, you know, the episode where we talk about what a team is like. I can't remember exactly which episode that was. Maybe it was even the getting signed to a record label one. But at the end of the day, you and I as managers speak the language and the business well enough where we can understand the terms of a deal. We are not qualified enough to truly go in and review and negotiate the specifics of a contract. You know, I don't know what your experience has been like, but I have seen this a number of times where a label will send an artist a deal memo, you know, and it's relatively simple. It's just the the main terms, how long, how many records, what the numbers are going to be, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of get the you, those can be negotiated, those sort of material terms I have negotiated for my artists. But then, of course, indicating that once those things are agreed upon, because those are the things that I'm qualified to discuss, I'm going to turn it over to the attorney who is going to handle the rest of it. There's some attorneys that don't even want me to do that. It really depends on the scope of the deal. They would rather be involved from the very beginning because their hesitancy is if I've locked something in, that they then need to go negotiate something else and a give or a take. They don't want me to have already locked something in. So I've seen it done both ways. But as a whole, when it comes down to the final paper that I have an artist sign, I am not the one who has given it my final you know, seal of, of review and approval. Yep. To further the discussion, I called my music attorney friend, Mr. Eric German, who represents Steel Panther, Asin Alexandria, and a bunch of others to get his input. So let's check that out. My first question for you is, where does one look hire a music business attorney? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it really depends. The answer to that depends on at what point in your career you get that music business attorney. But I think the simplest answer is hopefully someone's going to raise their hand. I mean, there are a lot of people that do what I do and do uh, music law, and they're constantly looking for new talent. And good professionals often have a good sense of when someone's ready for this type of service. But, you know, another source would be friends in bands that have had success. So if you're in a band right now and you know someone that's a little bit further up the ladder or has done something on a professional level before, you know, talking to them about who they've worked with in the past or where they've had good experience, that's probably a good way to go. And then obviously talking to your manager, your business manager, or or even your record label or publisher if you have a team and if you have professional people around you, they're probably pretty well familiar with the cast of characters to do this and uh, know who they like to work with and who they think does a good job. So really referrals. 
let's say it's a brand new band and they've had a contract put in front of them and they have they have no other friends in bands, no one's put their hand up, what resource of any kind could they go to try and find a music business attorney? Well, clearly the internet, right? Which is the answer to everything in terms of resources and trying to figure out new stuff. You can also take a look at like various music conferences, things like places like South by Southwest or in different cities there are often kind of music professionals coming to uh, speak at various campuses. You could probably talk to uh, music business programs at various colleges and universities. But, I mean, in this era of the Internet, if you're so far unconnected to the beating pulse of the music industry in every way, shape, and form that you don't know a single person that has been involved in some kind of professional music deal at some point, uh, you know, that's going to be uh, surprising to me that you're in a position that you that you need that, <laughs> that type of service. Let's, you know, there's at least the guy at the local recording studio or the DJ at the radio station that's playing your stuff or the sound guy at the local club. I mean, somebody's got to know somebody who does something. Short of that, I guess, a family attorney, you know, starting off with uh, your, you know, your dad's uh, corporate lawyer. Maybe he can find a good referral. Right, which would then lead me to my next question. You don't want to hire your dad's corporate attorney to look at your music business contract, correct? Like, so it, it's important to know that bands need to hire a music business attorney to uh, for any legal representation in the business, correct? Well, I mean, I think that goes without saying that in, in just like a doctor, right, there are general practitioners, there are, uh, there are people that are specified, you know, specific to like ankle injuries or things like that, right? You can have various different levels of expertise. I think when you're looking for a music business attorney, that is a particular type of expertise. You're not really, you know, the guy that practices slip and fall cases in small town Ohio probably doesn't have a great sense of what the appropriate royalty rate on a, a EDM act for a singles deal with a major label is. So, you know, obviously it's a function of experience. What I was talking about when I said your dad's corporate lawyer is it's a good place to start because that guy is probably going to know somebody who knows somebody who went to law school with somebody that could give you a referral to similar practices in this area. But, yes, I've seen too many times someone coming in with, let's call it, quote-unquote, dad's corporate lawyer, and uh, that guy just does not know what he's doing, right? Because it's a, it's a function. I mean, you're going to want to take a look at, just like any uh, manager, booking agent, whatever else, there's various aspects of what the attorney can do that will uh, be relevant to your career. So, you know, there's a certain level of competence that's presumed with any lawyer. If somebody's passed the bar and they and they are above board and they're practicing on a professional level, you know, you assume that they know how to do basic tasks and hopefully legal ethics because there's a duty of competence involved. These people are going to have a sense when they're out of their playing field. So, like, if someone calls me and asks me to do some kind of sophisticated tax work or something like that, I'm going to tell them I'm not a tax attorney and I'm going to go get one, help them find one or refer them to one. So hopefully that's what would happen. That's what I would expect would happen. If you approach any attorney, they can help you, you know, get to someone who knows what they're doing. But that said, beyond that, you know, you're going to want someone with experience in music for sure. You might even 
want to narrow that down further. You might want to take a look at someone who has experience in a particular type of music. For example, you know, Nashville artists are, are going to do songwriting split a certain way different than, than L.A. rock artists are going to do it. Or, you know, uh, an EDM single remix EP type situation might be different than a metal band that's doing more album-based stuff with different types of labels. And then even further than that, you might want to take a look at you know, someone who has specific experience, not only with that type of music, but with those type of people you're trying to do a deal with. For example, there are some labels that I know, you know, always take 360 rights and never budge on that. There are others that insist on you sign a deal with their affiliated publishing company. There are others that say, we don't care about that stuff, but we need to take certain merch designs. And if, you know, you do a lot of deals with the same people, you obviously have a very good sense of, uh, you know, what can be achieved in a particular negotiation. So, you know, beyond that, you're looking at chemistry, right? You're looking at uh, your band is a, is a team in the truest sense. It's like a basketball team. You need a point guard, a center, a shooter, a power forward. So when you're looking, you know, to try to find a lawyer, you're going to want to find that, that piece of the team that kind of fits with your particular, you know, agenda. And, 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 you know, not all pieces might fit together. You could have a great point guard and a great center, but they might not play well together. So, again, taking a look at just assuming there's competence, look for someone that knows that particular genre, look for someone even further that knows the people you're doing business with, and then eventually, you know, uh, the, the icing on the cake is someone that fits well with, with the rest of your team that you get along with that you like working with. Right. When is the right time to hire a music business attorney? Well, I think I think on that you're going to want to. It's there's no easy answer to that, but I think it really depends on whether you're looking for quote unquote just a lawyer or if you're looking for something more. Right? I mean, as you know, and you and I have worked together before, I tend to get involved sometimes on a broader level. Um, literally, you know, depending on the situation, sometimes I'm consulting with the artist on creative elements of their career, right? Sometimes I'm, a, I'm just a sounding board. Sometimes uh, some managers just want you to push the paper, right? Some managers don't want the lawyer involved at all in the creative stuff. And sometimes I'm the first one on the team. Sometimes I'm the last one on the team. Sometimes there are major artists that call me to handle discrete legal issues. And sometimes there's a band that I just love that I saw at a club that I'm the first one calling anybody about. So, yeah. I mean, the, the right time is, is, is kind of a function of, you know, the right time is really whenever you're ready to make it a real business, right? And, you know, I would say attorneys can be involved generally in about five areas of the band's career. First, uh, general business setup, corporate work, trademarks, band agreements, and that's no different than any business startup. When you're serious, you know, you have your idea that you're kicking around in your bedroom. But when you're serious, we're really going to go make this be a business. And you've got money to invest in it. There's some basic things that you're going to want to do to get set up. I mean, handling these from the beginning can be, you know, to a great benefit. It's kind of like a prenup with a marriage. You know, if you go into it and you know what's going to happen and you write up the terms, down the line, if there are issues, at least it's all been pre-agreed, right? Um, you know, the second thing I would think that lawyers are involved with is papering contracts that are presented to the act as part of the effort to develop the talent. So, like, if a manager comes on board or a producer comes on board, 
uh, they want to do a production deal or something like that, you're going to want to make sure that you're understanding what you're signing. And you may not be a big enough fan at that point that you have a big team around you. It may be the document that gets you to the place, that gets you the team or gets you the, the big deal. But uh, too many times, as you know, Bosco, you, you inherit a band later on down the line that's, that's beholden to these types of agreements, and they hadn't had anybody to help them at that stage. So, you know, that's the second thing. The third thing that a lawyer is going to do is negotiate your contracts, right? You're going to negotiate your recording agreement, your publishing agreement, possibly get involved with touring. There could be a merchandise agreement, a sponsorship agreement, that kind of thing. So... At the beginning, again, you've got the general business set up. You move to the point where maybe there's those initial relationships with the manager or producer or somebody who's going to help you create the content to get the deals. Then there's all of the deals that you're going to want to do. Um, and then, you know, the fourth thing I think a lawyer does is just maintaining the band business along the way. You know, members come and go. Deals get renegotiated. New album cycles require new producer agreements and songwriter split agreements. There's new touring sponsorship and merch events happening. You get instrument endorsement deals. You get asked to give away your song for promotional items. Maybe maybe you're performing at a festival. It's going to be recorded for television or you're going to perform on late night TV. Sync licenses, you know, all those things. That's kind of in the general category of band maintenance along the way. And then finally, I would say the fifth there is like dealing with disputes. I mean, someone gets hurt at a show. Someone claims you stole their song. Someone claims that they had the name to the band first. Those are types of things that a lawyer would deal with, too. So, you know, one way to handle these things is a la carte, right? You order the services you need when you need them, and you pay someone to handle those, those discrete problems. So, you know, that can be at any one of those stages, those five stages. You could have something along the way that requires legal help, and you could go hire someone to handle just that discrete thing. Another way that a lot of bands do it, and I alluded to this before when we talked about teams, I mean, is, is they literally build a team and they have someone on there from day one or you know significant periods of time throughout the career that handles really all of those items. So if you want more of a team mentality, you can bring on someone to handle it from soup to nuts and be a part of each of these things along the way. It obviously has the advantage of making sure you know, there's somebody that knows everything that's out there, that knows that you did an agreement three years ago that might have a certain clause that affects the situation that you're dealing with now. And then, you know, really what you're going to want to do is uh, take a look at, you know, to the extent you want that, that base. You know, many bands are on tour, so they're not able to keep track and organize their business affairs. If you have one attorney throughout all this time, that uh, that person can hold on to documents and reference things and kind of be a, a centralized repository for all your uh, business affairs or your legal needs. But but really, the real final answer to what you're saying is, are you expecting the attorney to play connector? Is the lawyer going to be the guy that's going to help you get the manager, that's going to call up the record company, that's going to lean on people to make opportunities happen? Because most bands... To the extent it doesn't happen organically, and we all prefer that it would. I mean, the best bands sometimes just kind of these things happen for them. But many, many bands are uh, successful because somebody really stepped on the gas. Somebody took ownership of it, ran around, and kind of, you know, introduced it to the rest of the industry. And to the extent you want, you know, the attorney to be that or the manager to be that or the, I mean, somebody has to go first. So... You know, if you, I guess what it really boils down to for me is if somebody's super passionate about the act um, and they happen to be a lawyer, 
you know, and they can, they have the right connections and they can take you down the pike, then, you know, you're going to have to take that seriously if, if that person's raising their hand. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Uh, my last question is not as an attorney, but as a guy that is a music fan as much as you have been on the business side of things for a long time, what is your best piece of advice for the brand-new developing artists and bands? Well, I'd say write great songs and find some something, something, whether it's the music, the image, or something that connects with an audience and then turn the business over to a team of professionals in that order. I mean, I would say don't get too caught up in bullshit too early. I always find it funny when someone is so focused on the business and their music clearly kind of sucks and isn't going anywhere, but they're sitting here talking about corporations and trademarks and tax issues, and it's like, dude, write a song. You know, <laughs> Get 10 people to your show before anyone cares. But, you know, really what you need to focus on is, is making creating a situation where somebody wants to open up their wallet to, to pay money for your band. And if, if you can do that, then a business should be built around that. I mean, unless you have thousands of dollars to waste, you know, you want to make sure there's a product people care about before you get too deep into all the rest of the stuff. Once that starts to look real in terms of building a career, set yourself up as a proper business entity early and build off that foundation. Nice. Well, Eric, I know that you are a busy dude. But uh, thank you very much for taking the time out today and being on our podcast. Thank you. So there you have it. Some not boring advice. How, when, and why to hire a music business attorney. A big thanks to Mark for writing in suggesting this topic. And another big thanks to Eric for taking time out of his day to join us on the podcast and offer us his insight on the subject. And another big thanks to you all for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. Because, hey, people, we do this show for you. Consider it a tool for understanding this ever-so-challenging and confusing business of music. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? Just wanted to say thank you all very much for continuing to tune in. It's been a really fun experience to get people's feedback either in person, over the phone, when I talk to other industry colleagues, or seeing what's going on on the socials. So, you know, you and I are having a lot of fun doing this. If you do enjoy this episode, please head over to iTunes and rate and review the podcast for us. Every little bit helps as we try to expand our listenership. And if you're looking for more music-based and other styles of podcasts, you can head over to jabberjawmedia.com where we've got a number of other podcasts in the network that I help with running. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop. And last but not least, my music management primer, The Business of Being an Artist, an ebook that covers a number of these topics 
Uh, you can get that at outerloopcoaching.com. And I would suggest heading over there. I'm about to launch the first product of the coaching platform within the next couple weeks and looking forward to having people sign up and give me their feedback there. So thanks again, everybody. Have an amazing week and stay mental. Thanks, everybody. Outer Loop Records is pleased to announce the signing of New York City's Awaken Providence and their new single, A Darkened Gospel. They are a proven force to be reckoned with. Full of raw, unrelenting rage and technical ferocity, the track hits listeners with a full force of deathcore aggression that puts the band at the forefront of the genre. Awaken Providence, A Darkened Gospel is available now on iTunes and Spotify. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians. Everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.